Welcome to the Classical U podcast. I'm Jesse Hake. I'm the director at Classical U. Classical U is a subsidiary of Classical Academic Press, a curriculum and monograph publishing company. At Classical U, we provide training for teachers and parents interested in learning more about classical education, how to deliver this method in your classrooms, in your homes. I mostly spend time talking with presenters and live learning event guests, and we look forward to sharing more with you as you tune in. Thank you. Julie, it's good to have you on our podcast as we're getting ready to roll out a course, Women in the Tradition. It's very exciting. It's been a long time in the making with a lot of different contributors, and I'm extremely excited to uh, finally be able to share this with everyone. And you and I have known each other for a long time and uh, are friends and colleagues in addition to um, laboring in the renewal together and uh, working on uh, Classical U content. But you've been with CAP and uh, as an author and a co-owner in the past and our vice president now, sales, marketing, and operations. And um, you've written two of our books, The Art of Argument, The Discovery of Deduction, uh, bringing students in through informal logic and then formal logic. And um, we taught together years and years ago. Um, and uh, uh, we're both hired by Chris initially as teachers. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our conversation I know um, will be about um, kind of being students and um, uh, looking to the great masters and the canon uh, mm -hmm. and, and the nature of that. So it's great to talk uh, to you in, in that role as teachers who I, uh, we'll see what you have to say about it. But uh, I think of teachers as really um, kind of model students in some ways. And I think you'd probably agree with that to some, some degree. But this is fun. Um, I love layering, actually. I get to interview people from out of town, but I love when all the layers come together. And uh, we're talking um, as colleagues, friends, uh, and uh, on the topic of this exciting course. So thank you for being here. And uh, I'll open up. I got to hear uh, a, a talk you gave this summer at SEL um, on this topic, and you've been um, speaking about it. I know you did uh, a master's degree, and your 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 final paper or thes uh, thesis was on this topic as well. Mm -hmm. um, a master's uh, with Eastern University's uh, MAT program. The topic at, at SEL, um, you, you kind of expanded and added some new things, and I got to catch up as well in the pre-conference uh, lecture that you gave there at SEL. And um, two phrases there jumped out um, at me as I, was as I was reading that. You said, um, students should not aspire toward contributing to the canon, um, but it instead should aspire toward furthering the reach of the canon. Mm -hmm. um, that we should really be thinking of our own work in this way and even uh, holding that up to our students. How does that relate um, to this question of the canon and uh, how we think about the canon and um, how it inspires us and our students? Wow, that's a, a big question right off the bat. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, it's a real pleasure to be uh, here and to be talking with you. I'm very excited about this uh, project, the Women in the Tradition course on Classical U. Um, it has been a long time in coming, and um, but there have been so many wonderful contributors from all across the country who mm -hmm. have uh, 
I've um, written lectures, um, and I've certainly learned a lot through it, and certainly at that um, the MAT courses that I had taken through Eastern's uh, program, that was a real eye-opener. It, it really did start to change the way that I was asking that same, that question that you asked, and that that is that, you know, we spend a lot of time, at least I've, I've been hearing a lot more recently, um, you know, is the canon closed? Mm-hmm. Is it static? Is it dynamic? Who should be included? You know, when and, and, and under what circumstances? Um, and I think a lot of people are making some some very good um, comments and reflections and cases for what, you know, what, what they think. And in many cases, I... Um, I think, too, people are just kind of trying to sort it out a little bit, um, and they're offering up um, an idea. Um, from most of the folks that I've talked to, there, there isn't an idea that's sort of fully formed. So I, I too, want to note that my idea isn't fully formed, and I'm, I'm sort of entering the conversation a little bit with, with this idea um, and the perspective that I'm taking on it. You know, it, it isn't that, that I think that I've sort of I, I've 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 arrived, and this is the answer that everyone's been waiting for. I I think this idea um, we 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 think too much about perhaps too much about who belongs in it, um, rather than recognizing that um, we w- regardless of what it is um, and I- exactly who who gets to be in it and which works or get to be in it, um, we're all um, interacting. Um, with it to some degree, and um, contributors who would be excluded f- from the um, like the, the the you know sort of capital C canon of it, they they really are the ones that have given us the ability to interact with it at all because it is in furthering the reach of the canon that we and our students have the ability to. Um, engage with it in, in any way at all. Um, short of that, um, it wouldn't have made its way to us at all. Um, it had to be with people lesser known, um, you know, um, less, and I, and I don't mean this in any kind of sort of uh, personal value, but less significant contributions, less valuable, mm-hmm. um, prestigious work. It had to be those folks that kept it top of mind and, you know, uh, dis- discussing it in small groups in small schools, um, around tables, and you know, in in dark rooms with a you know a cigar and you know whatever. Uh, it, it had to be those things that kept it going. And then in in the classrooms of teachers that are of no of no remarkable name. Um, and in, in my pre conference talk, I, I I listed off you know my relatively insignificant contributions, but, you know, uh, to, to the work that I've sort of committed my adult life to, and I'm never going to be, you know, discussed in the same breath as Aristotle, except I'm here, I am coupling my, my name with him, but, um, it's just not even the same thing. Um, and yet the work I'm doing is trying to extend its reach so that future generations have access to it. And when it comes to women in the tradition, um, I think, We've been we're, we're framing the question a little bit, um, maybe too aggressively when we ask the question. You know, which women belong in it? I, I don't think that's the right the right question. It's the wrong pretext. Um, I, I'm wondering, you know, which which women have um, or are, are there women and and men alike who have furthered the reach and are they worth studying as master students so that our students and we ourselves as master students can um, see well what did other master students do with 
with their experience with the canon? Um, how can we learn from them? Because um, I, I, you know, I'm never going to be a Boethius, and I, I don't have a. There's no hope for me to be a Dante, but you know, I might see some other master students um, who I could see how they interacted with those masters and um, be inspired to continue to do the work that furthers the reach for another generation. Thank you. This, uh, I mean, you're, you're doing several different things, I think, with this. Uh, you're taking the pressure off the kind of bigger question, which you're, <clears throat> you're acknowledging is legitimate, and, and you're glad to hear people talking about it, but kind of what is the canon? Mm -hmm. And saying, uh, let's step back from that, because uh, really you're, uh, the women in the tradition question um, is, is first about uh, a sort of lower pressure question mm -hmm. um, of how we all engage with the canon. Right. And uh, it's also... Whatever you know, the the phrase um, "living tradition" mm -hmm. gets um, you know, I think importantly uh, discussed as a part of that conversation of what the canon is, what the tradition is. But whatever makes it living has got to be all of us, right? Who aren't uh, in the canon, right. but we love it, uh, we teach it, we sit under it. Um, so, yeah, you're doing uh, you're doing a number of really helpful things with that move. But you're obviously advocating that uh, we should bring into the classroom some uh, other master students or great teachers who aren't in the canon, but whose uh, texts help us engage with the canon. Right. Um, so um, how, how does that, um, what are some examples of in your own teaching where you felt like that's been helpful to you? Um, sure. You know, who are some of those people in that category that you've uh, brought in either, you know, I guess, um, as a student yourself that you've seen others bring in, you know, or you're in your own teaching uh, with your students where that's well, been a help. It's one of, it, I think it's even one of our, you know, sort of pedagogical practices that we often, um, that we, that we require, I think maybe it maybe requires the wrong word, but we, we certainly lean on in, in our classrooms. And that is that we invite students to come and present and mm -hmm. to, to not just present information, but maybe even teach a lesson, maybe retell the story, maybe provide examples. Uh, you know, we invite math students up to the board um, to, to, you know, to work the problems. We um, we and we invite students to uh, take the lead on uh, Socratic discussions at times. You know, there there are all these different opportunities, and that's because uh, I think we've learned uh, a couple of things. Number one, students learn really well by being in a position of leadership mm -hmm. um, and by, by needing to, by thinking to themselves, yeah, how, how can I break this down so that somebody else can learn from it? Mm -hmm. Students also learn really well from their peers in some cases when mm -hmm. their peers have had to wrestle through some of the sort of intellectual barriers that they themselves wrestle with that teachers sometimes forget about or yep. you know have forgotten that they had to wrestle with. Um, but uh, it, it also, I think, does something that's even more significant, and that reminds us that the teacher really isn't the center of the classroom. It's really the text. It's really the curriculum. It's really the idea or the question mm -hmm. that really sits in the center of whatever a good class is. And the teacher isn't the star. It's mm -hmm. the content that's the star. And uh, and so when we allow another person to operate, you know, operate as the 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 MC, the host, mm -hmm. the the teacher for for some of that time, um, it does uh, it, it again reinforces that we're here to discuss this, not to watch Mr. So and So and his you know really dynamic classroom presentation. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a time for that. I'm not trying to be extremist about we should never do this and we should always do that. So just thinking of it that way, 
should we should we read from the masters? Sure. Should we? Um, will, will our students be able to plumb the depths all by themselves? No. Uh, they they certainly and if if they can then we've got a sort of a savant of some kind and that might be really extraordinary, but um <clears throat> what they might really benefit from is watching someone else and reading mm -hmm. how someone else interacted with that master because mm -hmm. it then demonstrates for the student what may, what questions did they ask how did they respond mm -hmm. what was important to them um, what where did they go with it after after they kind of interacted with it, you yeah. know, what did it, what did it, where did it take them? Um, those are things that a teacher could potentially do in the classroom, but how much, um, why should we limit ourselves to just that one individual in the classroom when we have, I mean, when I think about the host of folks who have been interacting with Dante over the centuries uh, and the fact that other people have been writing about him and his work and interacting with it, there's something really incredible and sort of majestic about the idea that students would be able to um, see how how it has resonated with others and mm -hmm. oh, you know that that might actually make it more real to them in some ways for myself personally I have been probably uh, more often I, I I have been a student in in every in, in every situation and whether in every capacity that I've been in professionally, mm -hmm. um, I've always been able to have a mentor, um, to have a, um, someone to whom I could look and watch and learn from. Um, and that has been exceedingly helpful to be able to, um, I, you know, connect with that individual and find out um, whether it was me as a student in a, an actual student in a classroom, mm -hmm. um, or even me as a teacher, I even had mentor, I, you know, sort of sought out, uh, you know, mentors as, as an educator, but then even now in my professional, my mm -hmm. kind of other professional life, I have mentors in that, in that capacity as well. Um, it, it is sort of a, it's a skill and a practice to find those people in your life, um, re regardless of what vocation you find yourself in, mm -hmm. um, are we, is anybody going to be able to be, and I'll throw out some names, which probably um, will be divisive in some ways, but the, a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates or a, you know, whoever, you know, pick your favorite, you know, um, most successful, if you will, person in any category mm -hmm. of professional world. Are we going to be able to be that person? Well, probably not, but that's why there are so many business development books out there. That's why there are so many, um, uh, you know, strategic growth and management books and seminars you can go to. And it's because these are people who are furthering the reach of those conversations as well um, so that we can learn in our small little company of less than 30 people, you know, mm -hmm. how to how to mm -hmm. run a business. Mm -hmm. um, we don't get to go to Apple and sit in on their meetings, but we can learn from others, you know, as, it, as the, the reach of maybe some of their successes makes its way to us. Um, so I think it's it's a practice. It's a it's a practice of humility, um, which is really the undercurrent of the the idea that I'm mm -hmm. kind of tossing out there. Um, I, I I I I really do want us to think about this coming from a very humble perspective of um, what can I learn and from whom can I learn, <clears throat> and mm -hmm. it might be that we we learn some really great lessons from from other students, mm -hmm. not just masters. Mm -hmm. So it's it's both a move of humility, but it's also um, ennobling because it's realizing that we all have the capacity to participate mm -hmm. uh, in the 
tradition of Aristotle, who you you know you referenced as a, an inspiration and in, in your own work uh, writing about logic, teaching logic. Sure. Um, the uh, in a recent um, review in the Principia uh, Journal of mm-hmm. Classical Education, you wrote about uh, a work that uh, is uh, one of the figures in our course, uh, the women in the tradition, uh, the vision of Christine de Bazan. Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing that right? The uh, I think so. Um, this uh, in your review, um, it comes. It sounds like uh, an example of uh, imitation, not just you know like critic, uh, criti- you know, criticism. So oh, she's sure. responding, uh, I think, in the kind of the highest way that you can respond, which is to imitate right. the masters um, as a way of responding to the masters. Um, but you put her forward as uh, an example of a figure that would uh, you wouldn't really get into the question of is she in the canon, not in the canon. Let's just uh, acknowledge the easy uh, point that she's clearly a great student Mm -hmm. of the masters. Um, Where, um, where do you see her? What are, what are some works that are, uh, you know, required in the curriculum uh, where her vision uh, would be a great uh, companion piece uh, to read and study alongside? Uh, So, Christine, the, the vision of Christine de Pazan, which is the book that I reviewed for Principia Journal, um, it is, it, and, I, and I note this right at the very top of the, that article, um, I mean, it is a dense, dense work. Uh, she makes, um, I, I, had, I had to read it several times, um, and, um, and, and, and then I, there was a very helpful um, essay in the, at the end of the book by Sheila McLeod, um, who I, that I relied on too to help me kind of make some very important connections. Uh, she's, she's a scholar, um, and it was, it was really excellent essay at the, at the end of that book. So th- I think that book might be a little bit mm-hmm. further out of reach than a book that um, maybe, you know, a middle school student w- would be able to sort of digest. However, um, if, if you do have a student who is at the level where they have read Augustine, they have read some Boethius, and they've read some Dante, this would be, just because those are the three masters that she, um, you know, on philosophy, um, the Divine Comedy, and then a, a variety of Augustine's pieces. Um, but if, if you did have a student who had some exposure to some of those works, mm-hmm. to watch us, an, this other student, Christine, um, do what Mortimer Adler talks about, which is syntopical reading, right? It's mm-hmm. that fourth level. It's the sort of the most sophisticated kind of reading that mm-hmm. you can do where you're actually synthesizing on a variety of levels from a variety of resources on a variety of topics, and mm-hmm. you're kind of bringing it all together. Um, and if you're looking for a, some a way to sort of model what does Adler really mean by syntopical reading, this is an excellent piece to sort of to, to demonstrate that. Um, again, you would have to know a little bit of something about each one of those, um, and you know, to, to be able to do mm-hmm. that well. Um, and it, it, you know, a teacher as a guide could obviously do that. But that is essentially what we would want students, maybe at the college level, to be able to do mm-hmm. um, when students are taking their English literature classes or you know whatever it might be. Um, students aren't going to be giving a book report about a single book that they read. Mm -hmm. They're going to be reading a book and then they're going to be asked to interact with it 
without just conjecture of opinion. Um, how does how does this relate to interact with? Um, and we we, you know, we see this from other folks as well. Whether it's Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and his mm-hmm. you know letter from a Birmingham jail, where he's doing the you know something very similar with very different with very different resources in mind. Um, but th- th- when when we're trying to teach students how to take knowledge, build on that knowledge, and 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 say something um, in a fresh in a fresh way that, or a way that is impactful to them um, in, a, in a in a way that is kind of new knowledge mm-hmm. um, in some ways, discoveries that they made. That's really what we're hoping that they mm-hmm. do at some point. Um, now, fourth grader, like I said, isn't going to be able to do that. But, a, a, you know, a, a freshman in college should be should be able to do that kind of that kind of writing, or at least know that that's the goal. Yeah. Along with those masters, this would be a great companion, I think. Um, so, you know, to be able to frame Christine's work in, in its yeah. in an appropriate context. But yeah. So she's uh, possibly a little out of reach in your uh, <clears throat> judgment for maybe a certainly middle school, but even high school, but um, a great model for this kind of synthesis and application mm-hmm. that uh, brings together multiple. Uh, pieces uh, works from the canon mm-hmm. and uh, actually and uh, actually applies them. Um, Martin Luther King's letter um, is application synthesis from a lot of great um, sources and probably um, more uh, a better example for um, middle potentially even middle or high school students. Sure, sure. Um, so let me um, push you on the harder question, though, that your kind of reframing does, um, you know, I think very helpfully say we, we don't have to beat ourselves up over uh, the hard question. But where, where, where are there um, women in the canon? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be um, a strong candidate or two, you know, that, that uh, you, would, you would advocate for? You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> uh, this is, it really is such a divisive, and I don't know that it should be, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, to, to make the claim th- that someone belongs in the canon, I think we first have to agree on um, sort of what are the requirements for for that inclusion. You sound like a logic teacher, which is very legitimate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, so I think that the, if, if we're going to have that question, if we're going to have that question asked, really, we do have to back up and ask ourselves, what are, you know, what what are some of the, what's the rubric that we would use to sort mm-hmm. of, um, to evaluate any, anyone? Um, mm-hmm. It certainly can't be that they, they would have always been known because, you know, then, you know, Beowulf is out. It certainly can't be that it has to be from before the 20th century because then Lewis is out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it ha- there have to be some other kinds of questions that we would sort of ask. Um, and I and I think actually that um, uh, Brian Williams does a very good job in the first issue of Principia and his opening essay there, where he talks about um, what he, he addresses some of those questions, um, you know, very very systematically. Yeah. Um, but you know, are these are the ideas enduring? Are they interacting with the with the enduring ideas? Are they making contributions that are lasting themselves? Are they furthering the reach of the canon? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, th- so there, and, and I'm I'm summarizing far too generally to give that essay justice, but um, th- there's there's a host of questions, and I don't know that we all agree on what those questions are, and I yeah. don't know that we all agree on what those answers are, and, and we might be jumping too far ahead to even talk about what is the canon, mm-hmm. um, or is it 
is it static or is it dynamic? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's even, a, I think some of these other questions influence even that question. Yeah. Because if you can start with these other questions um, about, well, what, what makes for a, a canon worthy text, then you'll know whether or not it's been static or dynamic based off of how you answered some of those questions. Yeah. Um, so th- that's, I think, the conversation that probably needs to happen before we get into <clears throat> the who's who. We might just want to let the evidence. So th- this does go back to sort of logic and rhetoric. Yeah. Um, this I, you know, the first canon of rat- rhetoric is what we call invention or discovery, and it's a, it's named that way because it's supposed to deter the student from thinking. Um, I'm coming in with my thesis already prepared. It's supposed to come in with questions um, and allow the thesis to fall out of the discovery process or the invention process. Mm -hmm. Um, So to jump ahead to some of these other questions sort of already assumes a thesis in place. I think the canon is static. Well, okay, now that's a thesis. Then, of course, then if that's what you believe, you're going to go find the evidence for making that belief stick are proving it to be true in some way. But if we back up from that and we ask other questions, then we can allow the evidence to sort of decide or, you know, sort of um, demonstrate for us, well, based off of what we see, is it static or is it dynamic? Well, you know, I guess it looks like it might be a little bit more this way than that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that then answers the question based off of the evidence, if you will, and the study Mm -hmm. and the discussion without jumping too far to the thesis. So I didn't answer your question. No, but you, uh, you like a great teacher, um, set up the more important parameters that, uh, you know, that are part of the ongoing conversation. I mean, uh, this is something that uh, it's great to see classical educators, you know, engaging seriously with and disagreeing about, um, mm-hmm. which is also part of the tradition. That's right. It's the, friendship uh, building. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, we may, uh, women in the tradition is uh, the kind of working title of mm-hmm. our course, but um um, this more um, basic way of framing it, it it's almost um, like women in the tradition and uh, engaged with the tradition that Sorry. you're kind of uh, you know making making it a, a bigger picture. Could I just note yeah. there too that the title that we chose for women in the tradition that was the title of my my thesis. It wasn't the the women's tradition. Right. It was the women in the tradition, and, in, and to, to what degree, and in exactly what the quality and the quantity, and you know all of that yep. is sort of uh, it's not being noted there. It's really just talking about the fact that we have to acknowledge there have been women, you know, in it and contributing to it, um, and I think that's an important that you know that um, that preposition is an important one, mm-hmm. and we we need it's a you know it's a small word small word, but it it, it does convey a lot about what it is that we're trying to do with the course. And it's really to just identify that there are some women within it and let's look and see who they are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, certainly uh, I think you and I would agree at any rate that um, that it's important to recognize that it's not a completely uh, obvious answer mm-hmm. as to who, you know, who all they might be. Right. Uh, there are some and, uh, you know, it's a good conversation who they might be and who would be adjacent and, Sure. Yeah. Um, the uh, the that little preposition in also um, opens the door to the category um, when you're reading uh, great literature and the, the great works in the canon. Uh, 
there's a lot of references to women that aren't, uh, you know, historical figures, uh, human beings. Um, you reference in your um, in your uh, review in Principia of uh, the vision of Christine de Pizan. Um, Augustine was instructed by Bishop Ambrose. Boethius uh, walked with Lady Philosophy. Dante was guided uh, by the first poet Virgil, and then uh, by the Lady Beatrice. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have sort of uh, teachers and their great teachers. Uh, out, out of the four examples that you give of great teachers, two of them, Lady Philosophy and Beatrice, mm -hmm. are uh, sort of mythic figures. Right. Obviously, once you start thinking about this it's a it's a big list all the virtues are mm -hmm. ladies all of um the um muses mm -hmm. are women um the seven liberal arts are all depicted as great ladies and um you know you could go on and on um the inspiration of uh, figures like beatrice who you know kind of uh, sometimes might have some historical connection you know in the in the uh, poet's life, but generally are, are really part of a, their kind of um, uh, imaginary uh, inspirational world. Mm -hmm. Why is it that, uh, do you have any thesis, any theories, uh, why it is that, um, well, another favorite of mine before I even I've tried to formulate the question is um, um, Lady Nature. Mm -hmm. um, C.S. Lewis has some really extreme language about how we've killed Lady, Lady Nature, who's our greatest teacher, you know, uh, generations back kind of with... Uh, uh, Lewis is referencing, you know, the Enlightenment and, and the Industrial Revolution, kind sure. of this, our separation from um, the natural world uh, more and more as we're um, kind of inside of automobiles and all of that stuff coming together. But um, certainly you could say a lot of uh, kind of virtual, um, you know, people are very, very hard on uh, <laughs> sure. uh, virtual virtual things uh, in the classical world. Some of it, I think, gets a little um, hyperbolic and, and um, you know, out of proportion. But um, we we have a lot of agreement about um, some of those concerns. But this idea that we've killed um, some of our greatest teachers in these mythic figures, these great ladies, mm -hmm. um, the virtues, the muses. Um, and I'm really kind of... Uh, talking around two different questions, I think. Uh, so, But the, the first one I was starting to articulate is just why so many great uh, mythic women uh, conceived of as our, our sort of most exalted teachers? That's a, that's, a, that's a really great question, sort of a profound question, um, and I'm not sure that I am the, the right person to give a um, a final answer to it, but I'll. I don't I'll... think anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm supposed to uh, contribute in the course on this topic, uh, and uh, I, I don't think anyone should <laughs> think they, they have the answer uh, to a question like this. But well, well, you've taken the pressure off a little bit, then. So, um, so my, I guess I, I would say my opinion on this is that um, I think some of the the wisest among us throughout history have recognized that there is a symmetry to the ordered creation that has been made, that the male and female attributes, such as they've been considered historically throughout throughout the ages, um, have been complements and harmonious with one another, um, such that it wouldn't be. I don't even know that it that we would that the world could have been thought of. Um, you know, exclusively in masculine terms anymore that it can be thought of exclusively in feminine terms. And I've been, um, it's, it's been a delight 
as I should say, it's been a delight in my studies to see uh, so many wise and pious men, many of them Christian men throughout the ages who have uh, aspired to the seat of knowledge, to, you know, uh, have aspired to wisdom, who have been seeking truth, um, and have recognized that there there are these sort of feminine attributes um, and that they have uh, ascribed feminine mythic goddesses if you will or created um beings to the to these to these ideas um and i do think that it's because they complement um the virtuous man um and uh i've heard uh, chris often say because as i have uh, told you very recently i i don't speak latin so any any derivatives <laughs> that i've come by have come by um in bits and snatches from working with chris over the years but uh you know the the idea of virtue is the you know the root there the vir is really latin for man mm-hmm. um and it would be that a real man would have had these different pieces um and uh, th- these different attributes characteristics and qualities um and so i think it's really this aspiration that man is sort of incomplete without the partner that was offered to him mm-hmm. um that was made for him um you know at the point of creation and these virtues are the parts that um sort of uh, enable him to be a more homo- harmonious, more fully created human mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of my 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 sense of you know why, um, and uh, and I think it has been um, in in the study of that. The, the, so the women have always been present, regardless of whether or not their name is attached to the byline, mm-hmm. um, and that's been. Um, that's been um, sort of remarkable as I've, you know, as I've gone through my studies and very humbly looked at this to, you know, in asking the question of, you know, where are the women? Um, they're there all along. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're writing with the men. They're inspiring the men. They are, um, they are in conversation with, with those men contemplating uh, right alongside of them. And then uh, it may have been um, a man who put pen to paper and that, you know, got carried through the centuries, but um the, the very best of those writings um, was done with a host of conversations and dialogue with these great ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it really is uh, fascinating. Uh, like all of the muses, uh, you know, just um, how prominent it is when you start to think about it. Um, and I mean, certainly uh, at some level, um, you know, the role of the, the reality of motherhood, mm-hmm. um, you know, Every one of us, men and women, right? Uh, all of all of us, our first uh, sort of most fundamental teacher is a, is a mother, mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, just kind of elemental uh, reality in all of our lives. Sure. Um, circling back on, you know, you made the point that this isn't uh, the course uh, where it's kind of inspired our uh, conversation here. Isn't titled um, uh, women's tradition, but. Uh, the there's a legitimacy in in my opinion mm-hmm. um, since we we're using opinion i think helpfully and appropriately to point <laughs> out that we're not uh, making uh, you know speaking uh, in, with some kind of ridiculous authority but um there's there's a legitimacy to seeking to find um you know our own um connections and um relationships to the canon and to the tradition uh, from the various places and backgrounds, you know, that we come from, um, and and um, as men, uh, boys in our classrooms, uh, uh, as um, black, white, Hispanic, 
Um, you know, there's all these different contact points, and uh, the tradition is uh, absolutely expansive enough and uh, a full and, uh, you know, life, life-giving life story mm -hmm. that uh, has all these contact points in it. I think uh, Angel Parham uses the crossroads, mm -hmm. you know, language a lot, and there's many, many wonderful ways to do this. Uh, you've referenced a little bit uh you know where 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 are the women? It's a legitimate question. Um, and how do you how do you speak to? Uh, I think it's legitimate, but it's even um, kind of regardless of the legitimacy. It's a it's it's a point of um, for some of our students uh, in the modern day. It's just a reality that I, I think we lose um, students over some of these kinds of things. Sure, um, we lose their hearts, and and it's you know it's all about our hearts at the end of the day. So, um, how do you, as a teacher, um, how do you encourage uh, other teachers to? And it's not just about your your you know your girls or your boys in your classroom. Sure. Uh, I think actually you can um, sort of distort or. Um, um, or lose the hearts of both girls and boys over question of or how you talk about how you engage with the women in the tradition, mm -hmm. um, whether it's the you know the great mythic teachers uh, virtues we're talking about or, or actual authors, uh, and whether the authors we're reading are in the canon or yeah. engaged with the, the canon. Uh, how, what are some um, what are some points of advice, uh, encouragement to teachers that you would give, and kind of how to get this right? Because it's not easy. It's no. Well, you know, I think we've when we politicize almost anything, it makes it a lot more challenging to get it right. <laughs> um, but I do think it, there is there is a little bit of a, sim a simplicity here if if it's an orientation of the heart. Um, and uh, so the the first comment I would make is that um, that part of our spiritual act of worship. Um, if, if we're, you know, Christian believers, um, is something that Christ asked us to do right from the get-go, and that is the, this do in remembrance of me, mm -hmm. right, um, on the, at the Last Supper. This idea of remembering, remembering is an act of worship, mm -hmm. um, and remembering who we are, what our heritage is. Um, this is something that we are commanded to do and as a spiritual sacrament, but um, it's also, I don't think any spiritual sacrament is really intended to be sort of a, um, you know, one-dimensional concept. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, the, 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 these, um, these are embodied practices. Um, when, we, when we fail to remember um, and when we allow ourselves to have, you know, sort of the, um, uh, you know, amnesia, um, that sort of that can wash over us by yeah. not being intentional about remembering um, yeah. that that I think is an impairment that we that we all face that we are kind of all independently and individually responsible for and as teachers then I think it's our job to educate ourselves to know um, certainly in the 32 weeks that you have with the number of classes that you have, you're going to have to make some tough choices. Um, but are there folks that would be valuable to include and not just because they're the headliners, but because it's important to, um, and this is not a unique idea, remember, like put, mm -hmm. you know, put members back into the body of yeah. whatever it is that we're um, seeking to discuss or learn from that kind of thing. As I think about Robert Louis Wilkins' book, Remembering the Christian Past, um, and that he had some really fantastic insights there about the importance of re remembering and and why it's essential to do so within our academic arenas, mm -hmm. um, it, it actually 
doing so allows for, I think uh, it, 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 it gives us some tools to combat perhaps some of the woke ideologies that I think yeah. are kind of infecting um, and, and uh, sort of crushing in on some of our classrooms, regardless of their, whether they're Christian or classical or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, without the foundation there as the, um, and, and the, the knowledge of who we've been and where we've come from and who those people were that have um, made contributions and furthered the reach. When we, t when we lift all of that out there uh, of there, um, it, it provides a sort of a very thin plane that can be crushed and cracked very mm -hmm. easily by modern um, ideologies and modern ideas. Um, we really need the the dense support of the the, yeah. the members from the past. Um, that's you know I think that's an essential component to combating what it is that we're facing on the front lines in our classrooms. Yeah. Um, a final thing that I would just sort of note though as well is that. Um, there's and this is a, an analogy or a metaphor that I use throughout the, the the paper that I wrote and the the talks that I've given and that is this idea of a rich tapestry, mm -hmm. um, and it's a textile and it's it's not I don't think you know accidental I don't think any of us think it's accidental to to note that our the the when we think of textbooks and texts that we read from um, that there's there's a weaving that goes on yeah. within them um, and that we have. Uh, when we when we omit threads, um, sort of um, with these sort of thick black lines of, uh, you know, pre maybe prematurely defining the canon or prematurely defining deciding who gets to be in and who gets to be out, um, we've really robbed ourselves of um, the rich tapestry that we could we could be passing down mm -hmm. to future generations. Um, so there's there's a variety of reasons for why I think it's easy it's an easier it's an easier sell if you will it's an easier conversation to have and I'm not talking about um, you know notice, you'll notice I haven't brought up anything that's really about preference or you know equality or making sure that we're diverse enough or you know any of those words that um, can so often require so much definition and packaging mm -hmm. um those aren't i don't think that those are you know altogether bad words they they can be used in different ways we have to define them well um, and i think in many cases we do um but it's really not about quotas and you know that mm -hmm. that is that's the wrong again the wrong framework for how to think about this it's really about what is our spiritual act of worship what are we losing academically when we gut our our academic past um, and what what are we missing out on on the rich tapestry that we could be passing on to our students? Those are the kind of the big questions we should be asking when we think about now who should we include um, in our in our curriculum? Mm -hmm. so, so there's a wholeness uh, to the past, and uh, where we very easily forget um, just how full and uh, complete it is, and uh, it is suited. Uh, and life-giving uh, to our own classrooms now. Um, I, I like that um, that language of um, remembering and uh, re reconstituting the body that uh, we so easily mm -hmm. lose, both uh, in those around us right now and um, the relationship of all of us uh, in the present to all of those in the past. Sure. It's rich, yeah. Um, what would uh, what are some um, you know, what would be your uh, kind of elevator pitch for why someone should listen to this course, uh, Women in the Tradition? Uh, let's see. 
Well, I guess it's not it's not terribly original, but I'll, I'll borrow from um, Augustine because you know why can't not? Can't go wrong. Can't go yeah. wrong by borrowing from Augustine. But he he talks about the importance of of memory, mm-hmm. um, and he he phrases it in Confessions. I think it's in Book Ten, maybe it's in Book Eight. I can't recall where he talks about these ideas being so far back and thrust beyond that we, it requires some other person or to help bring those things yeah. forth. Uh, and so that we can remember them. Yeah. Um, and that that really is sort of a, a spiritual act of worship mm-hmm. when it comes to, um, you know, sacramental ideas and that sort of thing. But it's also a very academic yeah. idea. Um, and it's an obligation, I think, that we have for, um, as and, and part of why I think we signed on as teachers is to yeah. help our students recognize what has been sort of thrust back and forgotten. I mean, that is what the renewal of classical education is all about. Yeah. Um, and this is just a small piece of that. It's a never-ending uh, never ending task, and this is just a part of the, the big ongoing task. That's right. Beautiful. Thank you, Julie. It's been wonderful Thank you for uh, to me. get to chat. Thank you so much for listening to the Classical U podcast. Please do check out our website, classicalu.com, and our teacher magazine, Altum. We hope you've enjoyed these conversations with presenters and live learning event hosts with Classical U.